Hello and welcome to another episode of the Football Faithful Podcast, back in your ears after the international break, and there's loads of Premier League action to talk about. My name's Sam Steen, and joining me this week are Peter Henry. Hi, Peter. How's it going, lads? Not too bad. Now, Danny Ward's back. Hi, Danny. Hello, boys. Uh, Anthony Kelly's there as well. Hi, Ant. Hello, Chance. How are we doing? And back again, it's Colin Bowie. Gary, Colin. Hey, lad. Good, good, good. Right, uh, let's crack on then. Peter, let's start with the moment of the weekend. What have you got for us? Yeah, I think it was... Um, we all know the commentator's curse, um, but I'm sure we've all... It's all happened to us individually as well. And I was watching the the Bournemouth Arsenal game with, with a mate of mine and uh, Jefferson Lerma had started the game really well and, and on 30 minutes he he he, uh, he dispossessed one of the Arsenal players on the edge of his own box and passed it into to Dan Goslin and my mate turned around to me and said he's going he'll be playing that Jefferson Lerma fella be playing for a top 6 club within the within the next 12 months and within about 3 3 seconds he'd scored one of the most spectacular own goals <laughs> I've ever seen and uh, yeah I, I don't think I start I stopped laughing for about 2 hours after so uh, yeah that's that's the moment that stuck out most for me all weekend yeah yeah I think that's fair enough uh, and what have you got um, well, yeah, I had Jefferson Lerma written down as well. I think it was definitely worth a mention. But um, I think Matt Ritchie's miss against um, against Burnley last night was uh, it's got to be up there for moments of the weekend. Like it was just an <laughs> unbelievable miss. I don't even know how he's done it. I mean, I, I looked at the replay and he's got the entire goal at his mercy, and he just hits it straight in front of him and into the crowd. And you think, how have you done that? You know, the, I think it's quite a bit of skill to miss from there. So fair play to him, Mike. But yeah. And it's a good thing they got the result there because that would have cost them. Uh, all right, so far we've got uh, an own goal and a horror miss, you horrible bastards. Has anyone got something positive? Uh, Danny, what about you? Uh, yeah, I, I, well, it was a toss-up between that and, um, and Matt Ritchie's <laughs> miss last night. But I'm, I'm going to go with uh, young Trent Alexander-Arnold's free kick. Um, Liverpool don't score enough uh, from free kicks and they haven't done since... Uh, Coutinho left, so it's nice to see that maybe there's a, there's a new kid on the block who can uh, take a bit of pressure off the front three. Uh, great technique, not much of a run-up, and uh, had Ben Foster, who otherwise had a great game, uh, had him rooted to the spot, uh, an absolutely cracking, cracking free kick from a young player who looks like he's just going to get better and better, I hope. Well, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. And Colin, what about yourself? Oh, this is the problem with going last because I want to learn it. But uh, <laughs> originality, I'll go with um, Phil Billings' clearance off the line for Huddersfield against Wolves. Ah, yeah. Uh, Good show. Ridiculous athleticism. But also uh, a, a tip of the cap to Ryan Sessignan's pass for Andre Sherda, which was absolutely yeah. brilliant for that goal. But uh, I'll, go, I'll go Billing for mine. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, right, let's start with the game. Spurs 3, Chelsea 1. Um, Peter, it was, a, it was an impressive win for Spurs. I mean, we wondered if they could turn it on after all the sort of close wins and the games that they've been grinding out, but they really answered that. Uh, where do you think this game was won? Yeah, I, I think it's um, well where Spurs won it. I think uh, one of the main parts was was taking you know Deli Ali did a did a great job on uh, Jorginho, and it's not the first time. Um, I think Everton targeted him, even Man United targeted him. Juan Mata as well. Sigurdsson was on him. Um, in the Everton game, the nil-nil before uh, before the international break, and I think he's so key to Sarri's system. Um, he makes him, so he's constantly making himself available uh, to start little triangles and passing moves. That when you take him out, that they really struggle to get the the ball into Hazard and Willian and whoever whoever else is is there from on on whatever day. Um, and I think that's something that that other teams aren't going to aren't going to stop doing at the moment. You know, physically, he, he's probably, you know, he, he's not quite at Premier League level, I wouldn't say, in terms of some of the other players that are going to come up against him. And Deli Ali gave him a bit of a roasting the other day, um, if I'm honest. So uh, that was definitely a, a big a big turning point in the game. And it's only increased the calls. Um, I think everyone's seen them over the last few days for... Uh, for Kante to either move back into, you know, the best defensive midfielder in the world to move back into his his, his oh, sorry his favourite position, or even um, I saw Jamie Carragher saying last night to maybe you know move him back into uh, into a midfield too uh, beside uh, Jorginho. So yeah, it, it that that was massive in the game. But then as much as we say Spurs uh, won it and they were really really good, I thought Ericsson was was 
back to top form. Ali looked really up for it. Um, he normally does show up against Chelsea. I think he scored more goals against Chelsea than any other club. Harry Kane was was firing. And, um, but with all that said, Chelsea were just so bad defensively. They were absolutely diabolical. Um, you know, nearly every goal you could count, not a mistake, but numerous mistakes within it. Within it. You know, compounding error after error. And, um, yeah, it, an absolutely uh, diabolical performance by Chelsea, you'd have to say. And all the kind of question marks over Chelsea about, you know, the centre of defence. Um, if you take Jorginho out of a game and, you know, kind of maybe Morata Mur- up front, um, kind of all came, came, really hit home the other day. All them components were, were you know, com- considerably off. Another thing people have been saying about Chelsea is if you shut down Hazard, you shut down them, you know, and he wasn't quite at it the other day. So, they very little attack and threat. Um, I don't get why he's playing Morata because, um, you know, you have Hazard coming out saying he loves playing with Giroud. I know Giroud doesn't score enough, but I think other forward players love the kind of wall option he gives them to, to play into. And uh, I, I think, <laughs> I'd say it, Bournemouth were caught, a few time, uh, few, caught offside a few times on Sunday, so I'd say the stat isn't still relevant. But after the game on Saturday evening, Morata, I don't know if you saw this, lads. Morata has been was cut offside more times this season than Bournemouth, an actual fucking <laughs> football club. So you know, it, yeah, and he just doesn't. I don't know. Get, I don't get it with Morata. I don't think it's it's a it's a physical thing or a technical thing with him. I I just don't think he has the. He just doesn't look. Um, doesn't seem to have the right attitude. I don't think. Would you put that down to Sari then? Because you know he he didn't even change it up in the game to bring Sari back in there to help Jorginho out or to sort of you know stop Spurs swamping the midfield like that. And, yeah, I, I, well, listen, I I think he like he has a certain style of play, and, and managers can be stubborn about their styles of play. And Jorginho is kind of the key to Sari ball, so he was always going to persist with it, even though there were certain signs over recent weeks that that other teams were starting to target him. What I thought was really strange was when he when he brought. Um, Ross Barkley on and he put uh, Hazard up front um, you know that just that was strange I thought he should have brought Giroud on after whatever it was 55-60 minutes so listen he's definitely culpable within the defeat but you know Cole lied a day you know that's their first loss in, in thir- what 13 games which is a sensational record for, for any new manager coming into the Premier League so um, not a really, really bad day at the office for Chelsea um, in terms, you know, David Luiz was absolutely woeful. Like I said, just so many mistakes uh, in all the goals. But credit where credit's due to Spurs, that they, they kind of, they flew out of the traps at them and Chelsea just never regained their composure. Uh, Sarri's been talking about this and I actually, I, yeah, I, put, yeah. I, put a, I put a lot of the blame on Sarri's door for this defeat because... It's like in the last three or four weeks, he keeps telling the press, and I understand why he's doing it to take a bit of pressure off the players. Yeah. But he keeps telling the press that they're they're a good bit behind Man City and they're a little bit behind Liverpool, and you know they they don't have the ability. Um, they're just too, too it's too soon and too new a project for them to be competing. Yet they hadn't lost the game, and he he was banging on for the last few games. Um, uh, the draw against Everton, I think they got a, a, a narrow win against PAOK, or PAOK uh, and they had, a draw, they had another draw in there somewhere as well. And he keeps talking about them starting each half slowly. And I was, yeah. expect, I was expecting Chelsea to come firing out of the traps because when your manager publicly comes out and says we've been starting really slowly, the last thing you expect is for them to come out even slower. I think over the last few weeks, he's slowly but surely ebbed away and all the confidence that's been built up over 10, 11, 12 Premier League games, unbeaten, playing some great stuff. No one expected him to be doing this well. And it's like he's, he's chipped away at the confidence and the belief that they've, that they've got over the first couple of months of the season. And this is the result of it for me. And this is a very surprising coming from such a, such a positive character. And it's like he's made this happen all through his own design, and uh, and obviously it takes a little bit of pressure off Chelsea now because people do people actually see that there are chinks in the armour and there's flaws in their setup, and maybe this will allow them to relax again and get out and start playing football. But it's a dangerous, dangerous game that he that he played, and I think it's one that's backfired on him massively. And I think he needs to just go back and maybe stop trying to be a little bit too clever and. You know, it's not very hard to outsmart 20 Premier League footballers. So, um, <laughs> just go out and tell hey, them. Danny, do you think maybe he just needs a couple of fags during the game? Maybe he would be snarky in his post-match comments. <laughs> 
Maybe. You know, he is in the open air. I don't know why it's a problem uh, if he wants to have a cigarette. Uh, <laughs> uh, but. Colm, we had Chelsea down as challengers, uh, you know, and, and what they've been doing is fantastic. As the lad says, it's just their first defeat of the season. But at the same time, with that defeat, are we now saying that their challenge is over? Well, everyone's challenge is over, so it doesn't really matter. Because, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But it, it just seems mental. Like, I, I wrote the question earlier. I was saying, like, you know, is this the end of their challenge? And then I went, wait, it's their first loss of the season. Like, it's, But it is, it's true. Yeah, but I mean, if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be positive. But I suppose I naturally compare um, everybody else to United because I'm a United fan. So everybody seems good. But, <laughs> like... No, I, I Chelsea are playing good stuff, but I mean, you know, the lads touched on it there with Sarri. It's almost like he wanted them to lose this game because he's been talking about it for weeks about the fact, like, basically hinting that they're going to lose very soon. And uh, he, was, he seemed almost relieved that they've done it. And he came out afterwards and I was watching a match today and he offered absolutely no excuses or couldn't really explain why they were so bad. Um, but Spurs taunted them. And I mean, you don't see, you don't see Tottenham do that to a lot of teams you know they're so tight with their squad that they they overcome teams especially their their peers you know their challenge their fellow challengers uh by the odd goal or two if they do win a match but like they had so many chances in this game 3-1 was very flattering to Chelsea so it could have been any result but to be honest I fully expect Chelsea to recover from this pretty fast I just think they they're kind of they succumb to this type of performance every so often even in the Abramovich era since 2003 they're they're accustomed to it. Uh, I still think they're, I wouldn't say they're the best of the rest, but they're, they're the best behind Liverpool, I would say. They're, yeah, they're, Colm, I wouldn't agree with you completely there. I think we might be giving uh, Spurs a bit of a disservice. I know they haven't done great this season, but like over the last three years or something... They're saying that they, they, have, they haven't the lost a game. <laughs> the best ever start in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, no, I know, listen, hold on. I'm talking in terms of performances, though. I'm, I'm saying that Spurs' best 11 on the pitch are capable on their day. They're as, they're, they're as good as... They put in performances, even against top, other top teams over the last, I'd say, three seasons, that are right up there with anything else in the league. On their day, they can be formidable Spurs when they really get after a team. That, you know, if they have Ericsson, Ali, Son, Eric, or um, Kane on top form, and, you know, Alderweireld for Tongan at the back, if they get after a team, they, they can do serious damage. It's, you know, it's kind of... It's Pochettino's way to just put other teams under, you know, under intense pressure and press them high. I think Spurs on their day can be can be fierce, and they haven't. That's the first time we've seen it this season, though. You know, even though it's their best, their best, you know, their best ever start. But you know, in other seasons they would have put on a couple of brilliant performances, but then maybe you know lost away to Watford or, or something like that. You know, so uh, yeah, I I still think Spurs starting eleven could get, can give anyone in that league a go a run for their money. You know. Well, I think that was the first time that Kane, Eriksen, Son and Deddy started together this season. They did it 20 times last year. So it really was Spurs at their strongest in that sense. And they... I'd, say, um, I'd say as well, Danny, I think looking at Son, it's the first time he's really fired for Spurs this season. I think he makes a massive difference to their forward line as well when he's, when he's fully firing. Because uh, he's so energetic, he's so quick and he just gives them that extra dimension. I thought he was absolutely superb for them at the weekend. Yeah, it was a toss-up for me on, on, on moment of the weekend, like uh, attacking-wise, Trent's goal or uh, Son's goal. I thought Son's yeah, goal was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Not, even, not even the nutmeg, just the little touch when he gets into the box to push it across uh, Louise so he knows he can't touch him. You know, uh, absolutely top class. Yeah. Uh, and while you're there, just a, a quick look ahead because they've got some big games. They've got Inter uh, tonight as this goes out tomorrow as we record and then uh, Arsenal at the weekend. Yeah, I thought it was a, um, a statement of intent from Spurs, really. You know, a, 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 everyone's right to point to Chelsea's flaws, but it was by far and away the best performance I've seen from Tottenham this season. And it should give them a lot of confidence going into those games. Um, I completely agree with Pete. I think their 1 to 11 is absolutely top class. Um, it's just having that strength and depth to get them through a, a really tough sort of run of games. Um, but if they can get those front four firing and, and performing, then they'll give anybody a game. And I think the, uh, the, the game against Arsenal is one to watch. That's going to be a cracker. that be really good. Uh, well, you're a Liverpool fan. Danny, you're a Liverpool fan. Um, just, you know, good win against Watford, 3-0. But what's yeah. it like when you're up there, top of the table? I mean, it's the best ever start. <laughs> you're looking absolutely fantastic. And you have not won a league yeah, in years crazy. and years and years. You must be feeling great. But at the same time, are you feeling, God, we're still not going to win it? 
it's hard to say about the, these results because everyone's talking about City being far and away ahead, but I actually think there's big pressure on Liverpool in every game at the moment. Um, you know, talk about Chelsea almost being relieved to lose a game. Like Liverpool almost can't afford to drop any points. So, like to go to a side like Watford, do a, a really decent, well-established side in the top ten, and to win three 0 away is um, is, is a really good result. I thought, you know, um, they showed real composure. They had to show a lot of patience to win the game. Um, and I was I was watching the uh, the highlights of it over the weekend as well, and I was getting a bit frustrated because they said, "Oh, Liverpool were a bit lethargic again and stuff." And I just I think people need to drop the comparison to last season yeah, when we, yeah, when we were, we were absolutely firing at teams, and you know, Coutinho's not there, Oxley Chamberlain's not there, Chan's not there. I think that the Liverpool that we're seeing now is perhaps maybe a slight evolution from Klopp, and um, I much prefer to see us be so controlled and patient and absorbing pressure and hitting teams. Um, I think the fullbacks uh, were fantastic against Watford and in particular Robertson, his, his distribution's been one of the highlights of the season and he's, he's almost key to the way we play on um, on the counter and in releasing Mane going forward and I just I just love to see them absorb that pressure and, and be so controlled, over, you know, especially with the pressure on them in every game. You know, the derby's coming up next week um, every team seems to want to go at us and make life hard. You know, Ben Foster was fantastic at the weekend, and um, De La Feu had a goal disallowed in the first couple of minutes. Um, so you know, teams aren't making it easy for us. Um, so I think the, the Liverpool I've seen so far this season, okay, we're not scoring four or five nil every game, but I'll, I'll, I'll take that every single day. I, I think they're playing really well. It's just um, seeing City just match us uh, blow for blow can be a little bit disheartening, but we just have to concentrate on ourselves. Danny, you're bombing forward. You're not bombing forward as you might have been before, but you still scored three cracking goals in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did, and uh, I, I think Ant had had to agree on this. Liverpool have now turned into Liverpool are a team of of, of men, nearly mature men that yeah. don't all, that don't have to go gung ho all the time. Playing a lot more possession based football than they were last year. Um, and they just have so much faith and trust in, in in what's behind them now, the front three, and the and the manager does. Liverpool could go one nil up with twenty minutes to go against nearly any side in the world, and as a Liverpool fan, you're sitting back and watching it a totally different way than you were last year. You're not hiding behind the couch thinking, "Oh, for fuck's sake, here we go." Every corner, every time they have a throw in, they're going to score. Liverpool, they're a different beast now, Liverpool altogether. From the goalkeeper to the two centre backs, and it just. I, I could talk about Virgil van Dijk all day and people would fucking tell me to shut the fuck up. He's he's going to go down if he stays fit. He will go down as the greatest centre-back Liverpool have ever had. And I'm including, oh, I, I'm including Alan Hansen in that. He's the best centre-back in the world for me by an absolute country mile. I don't think anyone gets close to him. And the job that he has done there, Liverpool conceded 15 league goals since he came in January. They conceded something like 44 in the in the 27 or 28 games previous. Like, he's done an absolutely monumental job in shoring up the whole defence. The keeper has helped, uh, granted, but he's brought everyone's game to another level, and that's what top, top players do. We finally have a real team that could really challenge challenge in any kind of era of the Premier League, but there's a team fucking over the road, down the road there, who are just playing football from a different planet and uh, who are for me the best side in the world and I think uh, Danny looking at it now though as well I, I think that part that is part of um, the mindset Liverpool are going to have to have isn't it because I think there is massive pressure on them um, to sort of keep that keep pace with City and it'll be interesting to see how they cope with that because you know we're 13 games unbeaten now and it almost becomes like shit you know we can't really afford to drop points uh, you can't even draw and uh, a draw is a defence. You know, we, we've got Everton at the weekend, and you know they're already staring the pot, aren't they? Seamus Coleman coming out saying he's ashamed of Everton's record at Anfield, and you just know, you know, Marco Silva's a little bugger against Liverpool. He really well, is. He'll, he'll be more ashamed after the weekend, Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but lads, listen, like even as a Man United fan, and it pains me to say this because I've spent the last eighteen months just trying to pick hole in Liverpool because how shit things have been for United. But <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that, you know, Klopp deserves an awful lot of credit as well because it does. It, it does. He, he, ha, he has changed up his approach a bit. Um, I, I think he copped on that, you know, that gung-ho that everyone gave them credit for. That's not the style of play that's going to win your league because you have to, you know, you have to be grinding out and you have to be solid. 
And, you know, yeah. I look at Liverpool now and <clears throat> obviously, like you're right, Van Dijk's been excellent. And, you know, it, overall, their, their personnel at the back is so much stronger. You know, Gomez, Van Dijk, Robertson, Trent Alexander playing re- regularly, Alisson. Um, but one thing I notice about Liverpool now is as, as, even as good as them, that back line is, they're, they're nowhere near as exposed as they were 12 months ago. Even when we took the piss out of Lovren and Matip, and they, you know, that was great fun. But you what, like, we, you know, they were left two on two a lot of the time. That doesn't happen anymore. Even maybe it's even Van Dyke pulling them back. But but the, the structure of our team is a lot more solid now than it used to be as well. So I think Klopp deserves credit for it. And I kind of thought a few weeks ago because it is demoralising. Even when you look on your phone and City are the game's over after twenty minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I, I I just kind of thought it, Liverpool, it'll take a lot of mental strength for Liverpool to stay with City because yeah, you know it it, look from the outside looking in, it does kind of seem that Liverpool are having to work that bit harder for their three points. But three points is fucking three points at the end of the day. You know, um, it's just. Can, can, it, it is hard chasing a team like that that are, you know, just not even giving you a, 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 not even a sliver of hope most of the time, you know. That will be the most interesting thing to see what Liverpool do next. That That's exactly the, the points I was making. I completely agree. You know, if, if they can get that mentality right, then it will be, I think we will push City, but it's having that mindset, as you say, Man City winning 4-5-0, the game's over after 20 minutes and we're still having to grind out a result. So it'll be interesting to see how they do cope with that Um with that sort of dynamic going forward. Uh, even just, you know, you mentioned the mindset there, and obviously they have to maintain that, but will they need to bring in any players in, in January? Is there anything else that they're going to have to do to sort of maintain their challenge? No, I don't, I don't buy that for one, for one minute. It's actually getting a bit frustrating because I think um, the, the Pulisic rumours are sort of, they keep surfacing, but, I, you know, Liverpool have got £100 million worth of players who haven't really kicked the ball for us this season. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Fabinho is still finding his feet. I think as a number six, he's actually all right. I know Pete's not a big fan of him, but I just think he needs to sort of catch up with the pace of the Premier League. There's been a few moments where I think he's actually been fine for Liverpool. His tackling looks quite good. His distribution is okay. He just needs to step up a little bit to the, the pace. There's no such game as um, Liverpool Watford in the French League. There's not that intensity. So I'd be interested to see what Fabinho can do in the second half of the season. And obviously, Naby Keita's been injured. He's not quite hit the ground running I, by all accounts he's an absolutely fantastic player he just, and what we have seen of him he looks a good fit into the Liverpool team he just needs to find a little bit of confidence it's a, it's a massive role to fill he's got the number 8 shirt on his back you know, which is Steven Gerrard's number so I, I look at Fabinho and Keita and if Klopp's looked at them and said yep they're good enough then I think they're good enough for Liverpool I, I don't see the point in yeah. spending 75 million on Pulisic when we've got two players there. If Chelsea get him, Chelsea get him. It's you know it's one of those things. Yeah, we still we, um, we still have we, we still have Oxley Chamberlain to come back. It looks like he might be back a little bit sooner. I, I I actually think Liverpool really are missing him from an attacking threat. With Liverpool, yeah, yeah. we don't have anyone that's breaking the line. We've just everyone's all a bit similar. And until Naby Keita um, finally gets to run and shows what I think anyway, uh, I think he can do. Um, I think Liverpool are going to have to maybe grind out results in a different yeah. way um, because they just they just don't have those players. Uh, and as much as Klopp has tried to fit Shakiri into the side, which he has done, and it's uh, and and it's working out well, he just he won't burst by three or four players and open the pitch up. So uh, Liverpool are just finding a way, I think, and I think that's a sign of a good a good side, a mature side, and a side that. When everyone's back and fit, and when Naby Keita, I think, finally hits the ground running, Liverpool's football should go to another level again, and we'll hopefully see a bit more of the swashbuckling stuff we saw last year. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about City then, Colm. Uh, Pep Pep apparently was disappointed after beating West Ham 4-0, said that they're a bit lucky in places and uh, uh, that they're a bit less stable after the international break. That's a bit scary, isn't it? Yeah, uh, uh, City, uh, like, it's a joke, really. They're just they're breezing through the league. Um, like if if you're annoyed at a four 0 win, you're you know talk about luxury. They're like they're the equivalent of someone who's brilliant at playing FIFA on PlayStation, who who absolutely insists on playing on professional level, but really should be on world class level because it's too easy for them. They can win. <laughs> they can win the game any way they want, uh, any time against anybody in the league. But the reason that they deserve all this credit is that they are so consistent in their brilliance, which is an incredibly difficult thing to do. You know, they like there's the old adage of it's easy to get to the top. It's very difficult to stay there. And Pep's uh, obsessive nature kind of ensures that his players 
won't be dropping standards anytime soon. They're not the, the only, only solace for their 19 others is that they're not absolutely brilliant at the back. They don't really need to be. But against West Ham, they, they let up a lot of chances, I think. Antonio had two one-on-ones that he should have finished. Now, they, the score was 2-0 and 3-0 at times of these two chances. Arnautovic had kind of a half chance at 1-0. So they do let chances up. But other than that, it's very hard to pick a flaw. It really is. Yeah, Peter, I was just about to say, uh, and, and Colm just alluded to it there, it's kind of mad to say, but West Ham actually played okay despite being tonked 4-0. Yeah, they did, but like I think what Colin, Colin said is relevant as well. They kind of came into the game as well after after City were two or three up. Um, I, I do agree there are times, you know, when you look at City individually, you think you would get a chance against Stones. Um, Laporte's really impressed me this season as well. Um, but the problem is you have to get the ball off them, you know, and they, they, do, they just wear you out so much um, because you're chasing shadows for most of the game. So other teams just kind of lose their composure a lot when they're on the ball just because they're kind of out of steam. So, you know, it, it, there's always, with all of Guardiola's teams, you know, it's well known that there are spaces in, you know, kind of uh, in behind their fullbacks. You know, he leaves his two centre-backs exposed. But it's actually getting the possession and, and having the composure when you've been, you know, when you're being pressed and, and, and chasing uh, so hard for so long to actually make use of it so um you probably just yeah, panic like, when you finally get the ball you know you, exactly. you feel you have I've to do something so many you know? teams you're yeah. just and i i played football like that when you're getting dominated you, you you lose composure when you're getting the ball it's true what they say the more you have the ball the more comfortable you are so um yeah listen it's just that they're, they're just like we're saying they're they're better they're better than a hundred fucking points like come on lads you know mm-hmm. what i mean this is just this is a higher level of football that, than we've ever seen in the premier league and uh, yeah yeah, it's great. It's great. I hope David Silva gets PFA Player of the Year because what a career that lad's had in the Premier League. Um, hasn't always kind of got the credit he deserves when, uh, you know, at the end of the season when people are handing out awards and picking PFA teams and stuff. Um, but just what an absolute classy footballer and the, the type of footballer you'd be telling the kid just to watch because the intelligence, the skill, um, the, the dedication to stay at the top the way he has, the career he's had with Spain, everything. I think he'd be a worthy, worthy winner of uh, yeah of some big awards come the end of the season. Uh, I think you asked me about West Ham, Sam, but it's very hard not to talk about West Ham. No, no, that's, 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 that that's absolutely fair enough. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know what frightened me as well, though, Pete, uh, looking at that game? Like, you know, you, you talk about Tottenham's 1-11 to before and, you, you know, I... I Mentioned yeah. they might not be as strong, you know, but I, I think they with their three subs they brought on Foden, Mares, and Jesus off the bench at three yeah. 0 and they all I think they all combined for the fourth goal. And you just yeah. look at it thinking, Jesus Christ, there's no respite even at three 0 on eighty five minutes to still bring Which, it yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Sure De Bruyne is not back properly either. Yeah. De Bruyne is not back. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I don't uh, think you can. Uh, I don't think you can overestimate Pete's point there about how how great City are. Like, for me, they're, they're so good that it's, in terms of the Premier League era, it's pre-Man City under Pep and it's post-Man City under Pep. And every team before that, that was great. So, like, United 99 or Arsenal Invincibles uh, or Chelsea under Mourinho. Like every side you look at now, just it's just a pale comparison, like, in comparison to, to what we're seeing the last two, last season and a half under City. It's just... Uh, it's something to behold. Like it's a shame that I'm a United fan, but you, you just take a step back and you just, you know, you can't help but appreciate it. At the very Colin, Colin, did you just say say it's a shame that you're a Man United fan? I just want <laughs> yeah. say that, say that again. I didn't hear that. It's a shame you're a Man United fan. As, shame as on United you. Fan. I've already I've already chosen, so I can't go back now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right then, in the second half of the show, we'll talk about Arsenal. We'll have Fulham. We'll have uh, United a little bit. Uh, we'll talk about Mick McCarthy in a Ireland quiz, prick of the week, and all that kind of stuff. But first, the first half of the quiz, uh, Danny. It's your favorite. It's my favorite. It's the uh, I name. A whole load of teams that a player has played for you name the player by the team that he's played for game so uh just say your names if you think you know who it is i'll go to you player number one and team number one is middlesbrough and and stab in the dark nicky barby no uh, uh danny, you danny. Went, danny um if i don't guess does that mean i'm not out uh, you, no, you can guess. You can guess. You're fine. 
Uh, Gary Pallister. It is Gary Pallister. Unbelievable. (laughs) Chalk it up. Darlington, Manchester United, and then back to Middlesbrough. Very good, Danny. Right then. Uh, Player number two uh, was at Barcelona C, B, and then obviously in the A side. That's where he started his career. Danny. Danny. Bojan Kuricic. No. Peter. Ah, no, it's a waste. But anyway, Jerry, I was going to say PK, but it's a waste. No. Uh, Then he went to Brescia. And? And? Pep Guardiola. It is Pep Guardiola. Boys are on fire today. Excellent. I'll give you one more then, seeing as you're flying through these. Uh, This player began his career at, and bear with me on this one, Borussia Neunkirchen. Hey. Yeah, Borussia Neunkirchen. Nine churches. Peter, Peter, Peter. Jürgen Klinsmann. No, yeah, it would be nine churches. Very good. Uh, then he went to Eintracht Frankfurt. Column. Column. JJ Okocha. It is JJ Okocha. Boys oh. are on fire today. Uh, we yeah, went to Fenerbahce, PSG, Bolton oh. Wonders, Qatar, and then finished up at Hull. Uh, well done, boys. Jeez, you're flying it. It's this gonna is be, Man uh, City level quiz, quizzing tonight, lads. Unreal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Flying through these. They're going to have to start digging some out later on. Cause, uh, I, I tell you what, though. That's, that's a five-a-side team, isn't it? Gary Pallister, Pep Guardiola, and JJ Okocha. They do yeah. well. <laughs> it's yeah. not bad. Not bad. Uh, let's move on, then. Ars, uh, to Arsenal. Uh, Bournemouth 1. Arsenal too. Uh, and we'll start with you. It was a tough night for Arsenal, but as they've done all season, they got to win in the end. Yeah, I think it's it was another result for me, which sort of hits home how good of a job Eamon he's doing um, with Arsenal. He, he seems to have given him a real edge. Um, the, 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 the steal that was missed under Wenger, he, he installed it in quite a quite a fast time, which has been quite surprising. I think Arsenal go there last season and quite comfortably lose that game. Yeah. Um, you know, I... It's hard to say as with Arsenal because they were starting from quite a low level and there was there was quite a lot wrong with them. So maybe Amory had a bit of a blank check and the pressure was off him to a degree. But you know he's he's got them playing some good stuff. Um, he's made some big calls. Ozil being dropped um, at the weekend was quite a big shout, and he hasn't really uh, he, he stuck to his guns on a few things. That the fullbacks have continued to go forward, which I thought would cause them real problems. But so far they haven't really been caught out by that. Um, so I've been quite impressed with them, and I, I just look at the front line he's got as well. And I think because there's other teams doing so well, the likes of Abumyang and Lacazette, you know, they haven't really been given the praise they deserve. But he's got them playing with real confidence, and that's that's a hard place to go this season, Bournemouth. So that that was a really good result for them. So yeah, I think um, I think the way Liverpool are chasing City. I think if Arsenal can keep the results going they're going to put pressure on the top four and they'll be looking over the shoulder at them so and the, the crazy stat though is that for a team you know I think we've probably all seen it though but 17 games unbeaten and they haven't been ahead at half time in any of them that's it's a like, weird stat that isn't it yeah it's, that's, it's, it's, it's like that. that's unbelievable like you see, I keep thinking every week this is the week where they actually get five paid to pay but they just they just keep on imp- like poor first half generally um, and then always come out and come good in the second yeah. half. Um, that's the, that's the point I was making, Pete. Really, isn't it? you know, like, it just wasn't there under Wenger. They go go down, and that was it. You knew you knew Arsenal were were buggered, you know. But they, they seem to seem to be a bit more resilient under Emery, don't they? Well, the worst. Uh, I think they had the worst away record in the Premier League last season. I think they only they did, won yeah. their first game, you know, with a couple of weeks to go as well. So yeah. you're right. Uh, Torreira's Torreira's, uh, you know, he's getting the best out of Jacka, and he 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 kind of has that. Um, like he wouldn't have the he wouldn't kind of have the the physical prowess of say Kante, but the amount of times he nips in front of his man and, and takes away the ball, you know, which mm. not only stops the opposition attacking it when you when you get that right, you, you put your own team on the front foot. So like, what is it, twenty two million or something for him? Which is let's be honest, there's nothing these days. You barely get a left or right back for that. So like, that's it. That's a serious signing, and and it it's kind of the, the position that. You know, Arsenal have been crying out for since Patrick Vieira left the club. They haven't had a player, a kind of midfield enforcer like that. And he's not just a midfield enforcer; he's very tidy on the ball. Like so, he'll probably be in the. I'd say he'll be in the running kind of for uh, when we look back and say sign of the season if if they continue to to tick along the way they are. Like. 
I think as well, look, looking at Arsenal, what I, I was really, really hoping, as obviously Liverpool have been challenging them for a top four spot over the couple of years, I was really hoping that the board would listen to some of the numpties calling for like Henri or Vieira, because they'd have gone in and made an absolute pig's ear of that job. They'd have bollocked it up. And I was really hoping he'd go in. And, and I think it was a really, really smart piece of business to get Amy. He's, he's a really top coach, you know, he's he's showing that. So, yeah, it'll be yeah, interesting. A, a better Arsenal TV. We're wishing that had happened as well. Uh, uh, Danny, let's chat about Ozil then. As uh, Ant mentioned, he was dropped for this game. Um, he signed a new deal last year. Still not really kind of being the player we think he possibly could be or should be. Is he? Is he someone that Emery's just going to have to sort of deal with? Maybe force out of the club. Will he be able to offload him? Would, would he even want to? I, well, I don't know. We were only seen to be talking about a month ago against his performance against Leicester, that he was undroppable, and this is the real Ozil, and finally someone's making him tick and all that. And now, a couple of weeks later, in a tricky away game, he's been um, he's he's been benched. You know, um, I think it, the manager's obviously flexing his muscles a little bit, but I don't think yeah, uh, I don't. I think he can see the wood from the trees and see how good a player. Ozil is and there's not many Ozils about and if, if they are about they're 70 and 80 million and we all know Arsenal don't like to spend that sort of money too readily you know so uh, I'd be surprised if he was trying to force him out of the club um, because the, the connection that Lacazette and Bang Yang and Ozil seem to have together um, I think it's just uh, just about complimenting them with, with players around them that that will allow him to have the luxury of playing Ozil. So I'd be surprised if that's what he was trying to do. But you've seen it before with, with new managers coming in and they do flex their muscles, as I said, and, and they do take on a big personality just to show that, that they're the boss and, and they won't take shit lightly. So, uh, listen, I wouldn't be it wouldn't be unheard of. Lads, lads, like, I don't know if you saw Emery admitted afterwards that the reason he didn't play him was because he didn't think he'd have the intensity to play against Bournemouth away. Yeah, but it's that's, Bournemouth. That, like. yeah, that, that's your high, that, hold on, that's your highest paid player at your football club. Yeah, I, I I don't know about you, but I think that like that. What kind of a message is that? Like we're we're all human beings. Like you go into work on Monday morning and you're looking at this lad. He can't even get up for a game away to fucking Bournemouth, and he's on five times as much as me a week. Like for me, that doesn't that doesn't really create a good atmosphere within the group either. Like that that's Peter. A how much are you on a week? Strange thing to I was say. thinking that. <laughs> So was I, Peter. What everyone? I know you're doing good consultancy work, but uh... Jesus Christ, Peter, we we need to start getting paid a bit more for this, I think, or at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, because like, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, to, for for a manager to come out and say that the, the not even like considerably the best pay, paid player at their club, no one else is even on money close to him. Supposedly he's on double what any other player is on at 350 grand a week, that he, he, he didn't think that he would have the intensity to play against Bournemouth away. That is, that's a, do you not think that's a crazy statement, no? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, so what, what do you think, Peter? Should he try and, should he try and offload him then? Or, or like, because he's been there a long time now, you know what I mean? It's, uh, he's not, and he's never going to change. Well, he's come here. He, no, he's never going to change. But he was going to pay him three hundred and fifty grand a week, maybe a Turkish club, but they're not going to be able to afford that either. Um, no, I think it's a str- I think it's a strange. When I, listen, if 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 Emery actually doesn't mind that, and the other players are happy enough for it, and they just play him against Leicester at home, but I, I think it's a it's a crazy situation. Although what I do think it, it has a big bearing on it as well is his his agent is it so gone or Doctor Eric Hurt, I can't remember his name anyway. But he's the lad who slated Martin Keown last year, which was which was very funny. But he came out there a few weeks ago and said that Ozil was offered one million a week to move to China. And this actually this is starting to make sense in my head while I'm talking about. It. Supposedly, um, one of the main reasons that he's that Arsenal wanted him to stay so badly is he, he's the he has one of the biggest social media followings of any footballer in in the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, so I've heard that. I'd say that might kind of have have something to do with. Yeah, he's he's very much one for the portfolio for Arsenal, I'd say. Anyway, a million a week, Jesus Christ. Let's move on. Fulham three, Southampton two. Peter, stick your money on Fulham for the Premier League next season. That's it, Mitrovic, Golden Boot, future Balland Dower winner. It's all it's going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, no, listen. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I, I backed, I backed. Both. Fulham this weekend. I had a feeling that you know Grand Ranieri would get a win, and they were playing Southampton. Who, let's be honest, they're 
absolutely dire. Although Southampton have created more chances than Manchester United, the stats just keep coming. Um, yeah, so yeah, listen, fair play to them. They got their win. They, they still need to, you know, they still conceded two goals against Southampton, which is pretty damning as well. Yeah, I, I think Ranieri will, will. I think he'll do a good job there. Um, I think he'll get them kind of. Uh, they get them tightened up at the back and they have plenty of talent going forward. Uh, I think Colm said it earlier that Sessegnon's uh, cross, well, cross, cross slash pass across to Shirley was just sublime. The vision to put it in behind the defence like that. Um, Shirley's, Shirley's actually looked, I've never been convinced with him uh, in the past, but he's looked really good in fits and starts for Fulham. And I actually really like Mitrovic. Mitrovic is a sw- strange player. Like, you kind of have the I kind of have this idea of in your head of Mitrovic as being like an old-fashioned target man who's about 33, 34. But like he's actually, that's the way he looked when he played for Newcastle. But like he's only 24, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been amazing for them. He's right up there with the Salas and all, and the amount of goals he scored since he since he moved to Craven Cottage. So yeah, I think I think they'll they'll be all right, and they'll definitely be an entertaining team to watch. Uh, there's always goals in their games. Um, I think that the. He'll keep them up, and then it'll kind of they'll taper off next season. They'll probably have to sack them around October. Yeah. Uh, Colin, what do you reckon? Do you think they'll stay up as well? And and what was it? Did it did anything change in this game, or was it just a you know a new manager's in and that kind of bounce that you get when that happens? Yeah, definitely new manager bounce, and also Southampton, which helps. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, fair enough. Um, though, but I I like uh, Ranieri's. You know, he's top dog. I think all neutrals love him. And I do think he'll make a difference. Uh, they were, I mean, they were hemorrhaging goals for them uh, under Yukanovich. So I suppose it's kind of an easy, uh, an easy job to go into in that sense because you're going to probably look better than uh, the predecessor if you just can, you know, concede one less goal than he's conceding per game. But I think they're like Fulham should definitely stay up. They went top heavy with their transfers in the summer. I think signed a lot of attacking talent. If they can get them to be cohesive in any way, they should be fine. I mean, Fulham should be about 13th, 14th come the end of the season. I, I think that's where they should be. But um, they could go. They absolutely could go, but I don't think they will. Uh, and what about Southampton then? Are, are they doomed? Um, they, they're going to need something quite big to turn it around, aren't they? Um, you know, they've gone away to Fulham and scored a couple of goals away from home, um, but still lost, which is pretty crap, isn't it, when you think about it? Um, they just look to... They don't look to know how to keep a lead because... You know, they were absolutely battering Fulham. They were playing well. They got the goal. They got one nil up and then straight down the other end, Fulham go and score. It's just a sign of a team not like not clicking. And um, I, I can't remember the guys at Hoyt, the, 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 the defender who, who should have booted the ball Hoyt, out yeah. from And he's trying to play the ball out from the back from there. And you're thinking, what, what the hell are you doing? And then the, the other guy doesn't get over. I think it was Bertrand or Redmond didn't get over to stop the cross. And they just don't really look like a team that are playing. There's they a bit of lethargy in there. You've got a few decent players, you know, you know, Charlie Austin, you can make an argument for a few a few of the forward players, Ings, Redmond. They're not like terrible players, but they don't seem to have that quality that they used to have. And um I'm not sure if Mark Hughes has quite got the C V to get them out of trouble. He, he, no. yeah, like, he did it at Stoke when he went into Stoke, the framework was already there. Blackburn, the framework was already there from Sunes. Manchester City was already a decent side. I don't really think Sunes is the kind of guy that goes into Southampton who need a complete rebuilding job. And to, and to be able to turn them around. I don't know if they need something completely radical or something completely different, but they haven't got much time. and they, I think they could actually be, be pulled into it this season quite severely. But they have a good... Mid, like they've some. You're right, they do have some good players there. Obviously, yes. they have going as well. But like I like that. Is it uh, Lamina that they signed for Juventus? Romeo, Hoiberg, like they're all players. With Two good fullbacks in, in, in the centre of the park, you know? Two very um, good fullbacks. Yeah. But I think like, the, the problem they've got, Pete, is that they're only... They're good, but they're like they're not like. Are they good enough to get you on a run? And that's what Southampton to do at some point. Fulham have got like Mitrovic, as you said, Sessegnon, uh, Schirler. They're three absolute belter players who, who might just be able to click and get you out of trouble. I don't know if Southampton have got a player who's good enough to drag them out of that mess. I, I don't know, but yeah, I did a piece on it about like I think last February or something, saying that. Like they just got way, in my opinion, they got way too big for the boots when they sacked Cloud Puel. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you wrote yep. a very similar piece there today, actually, as well. Yeah, like, couldn't agree more. They, were, they yeah. finished seventh or eighth and got the EFL Cup, and they played in Europe. Like there, there's not. I'm sorry, Southampton, but that that's about as high as you get. That's as good as it's gonna get. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't. 
I, I think they're paying for getting a bit too big for the boot. Sacking Puel, it's just been it's just been bad ever, ever since. And they were a club. Let's be honest, they were a club eighteen months ago, two years ago that were most clubs kind of really looked at and admired the way they were bringing kids through their transfer yeah. business. They were bringing new managers in. And I don't think anybody would, would shed a tear if they got relegated now, especially not with Mark Hughes at the club, you know. They're, uh, they've, become, they've become just very near Southampton, really, haven't yeah, they? That's, yeah, that's the thing, you know. As you say, you know, Koeman and Pochettino went in there and did a brilliant job, but they didn't rewrite the history of the club. You know, they, they, they have historically been a team at the foot of the table. And... No. You know, Letitia kept him up for like 15 years. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he was literally the only player they had. And, you know, Puel did an absolutely unbelievable job there. And I think they, they went on a run at the end of the season where they weren't scoring that much and they got a few negative results and the fans were whinging. It's like, well, where do you want to be? You're not going to be in the top six. So, you know, eighth is pretty good for you guys. And I just think, you know, they've made a few shocking decisions. And I, I don't know. I can't see them getting out of it, to be honest with you. They just does, they look all at sea to me, Southampton. Armstrong's second goal at the weekend. That was fantastic. That was good. Oh, yeah, it was good. Yeah. They'll always have that. Yeah, yeah, they will. <laughs> uh, speaking of teams that are all at sea, lads, uh, United nil, Palace nil, uh, United shite again. Mourinho says he thinks uh, that they'll be back in the top four by the end of the Christmas period, though, Peter. Um, I think he's been breaking into the Christmas booze stock a little bit early. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I, I've just, you know, you, you looked at it. They kind of have a really favourable run of games. He said that obviously before Saturday, all against teams at the bottom half of the league. But like, I had no confidence. I have no confidence before any Man United game anymore. It's just like I just want it over now. I've defended Mourinho for a long time, but like, it's just clear. You know, it's not going to. It, he's never going to get the best out of that group of players. It, it's never. They might win two in a row, but that's not even looking likely at the moment. Um, but it, they're just going nowhere. You know, we might scrape through the Champions League to see. You know, we win tonight. I think we're pretty much through if you they win. But like, we're never going to. You know, we could easily be embarrassed in the last sixteen. I don't think. I, I at, at this present moment, I honestly feel that Everton look a better bet to get, to get into the top six than we do. Um, they're just, you know the players aren't playing from. They might get up for the Chelsea games or the Juve games. You know that that's easy enough, but. You know, I've defended him a lot, but it's just absolute. It's it's a shit show now. It's kind of like I've had it with Ireland for the last couple of years. I, like I really don't want to watch the games because I'm just gonna get pissed off and it's terrible. But I kind of still for I still have to do it. And you know that 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 was just so predictable, so pedestrian on on Saturday again. And uh, it it just shows it's like obviously you know there was a presentable run of games to kind of get you know say twenty points, twenty four points out of out of um, a succession of games on the board and they just, you know, were poor. You know, obviously, you know, I've said I don't like a lot, I don't like the attitude of a lot of the players. I stick by that, but I think Mourinho, you know, he's, you know, he's saying that the young players don't take responsibility, but he's out today, you know, blaming them for this, that and the other. Like, he needs to man the fuck up himself and take some responsibility. He's on 10 million a year, like, bite the bullet. You know, you don't have to show yourself not to be, it's, to, for it not to be your fault all the time, and I just wanted to end now, Sam. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Uh, last place in match of the day, last place on the football faithful. I don't know if anyone's got any uh, anything else to add on that game now. Well, Colum's United fan. He, I, you can get him in there. Well, like I'm just uh, sick of all the teams I support drawing nil all all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least I haven't seen a goal in six months. <laughs> Ireland made a change, at least, you know, whereas we're just persevering with this uh, loveless marriage. Yeah. Uh, but, like, United, like, they, they need to uh, make up a seven-point deficit for fourth place. Uh, and this far into the season, it's never been done in the Premier League. Yeah. And that's scary. We're not even in December. So uh, the, only thing, the only thing that's going for Mourinho that will keep him in the job is that there's a lot of bang average teams out there that are even worse than United and you get a, a favourable run of fixtures and he might be okay. So if they beat Young Boys and then they beat Southampton at the weekend and then suddenly, you know, people back off him for a while. But yeah, uh, That, that keeps people... happening though, Colm. I mean, that's literally the story of his time at United where you get a couple of results and you go, oh, actually, it's not too bad. And yeah. then, oh, No, it's God, worse than that. And I'll ask the both of you this now because like, no, it's even fucking worse than it's ever been because <laughs> you, would, you would have at least given them <laughs> 
like you would have say, okay, we'll struggle when we come up against teams in the top half, but you would have thought we, we'd at least, you know, like I wasn't even confident going into Crystal Palace at home. Crystal Palace have like a handful of points out of the last eight games or something, and you're still not confident. They don't even have a fucking striker, and you still didn't think we were going to beat them, you know? Yeah. Um, Palace could have won that game easily, like. Um, yeah, they're a good effort at the end. I yeah. think it's worse than it ever be. Like, were, were either of you too confident? Are you confident at the moment ahead of any game that Man United play? No, 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 no and, and not for ages. But. I have a question as well for you, Pete. Like, would you be happier to see United to keep on losing for Mourinho to go? No, Colin, I don't ever really want them to lose. But put it this way: we're recording while the match is on now. If United were to lose, because like, like I said, we could get bar- embarrassed in the last 16. If United were to lose, and I think that would be the final nail of the coffin when they're out of the Champions League and Ed Woodward would finally man up and realise that it's never going to get any better. So I wouldn't be, uh, I would see the benefits of losing, but I, I just can't, I can't actually take myself once I sit down and watch a game um, to, to actually want them to lose. I just, I can't do it. Uh, talking about, well, we've mentioned it already. Uh, we, we'll drift just for a moment away from Premier League football into international football, which we never normally do. But uh, uh, I don't think lads, the Irish lads are here. I don't think anyone was particularly sad to see the back of uh, Keenan O'Neill, were you? No. No. It, you know, it, it's been so bad for so long. And even, you know, you kind of think, though, in a way that. You know, we were one nil up against Denmark. If you know, it's not unheard of that you know that 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 Ireland hold out in that game, and then we would have been going to the World Cup. You know, we were one nil up in the, in the second leg at, at the Aviva, but still, you know, it, it, our, the football we're we're playing is just so backwards, so outdated now that we might well have been in, but we would have had some piss up at the World Cup. Don't get me wrong, but like it would have, you know, could easily have have been embarrassed and. Yeah, listen, it was good that they went. They're, they're kind of, the two of them are very much, you know, kind of looking like yesterday's men in terms of their approach and everything. I, I get that they have limited players, but, like, it's just become so, it's become painful watching them. Um, it's never been great watching Ireland, but you kind of never thought, you kind of always thought that they they put in a shift and we, and we you know, we, we might scrape a draw against a big team or nick a win. Um, let's be honest, the football's never been good, but... Um, yeah, it's just become so bad, and I think it was right for them to go because it was, you know, it, the confidence was low. The fans were obviously fed up, so it was the right decision. Um, so yeah, I, I let the other lads comment on, on the McCarthy Kenny uh, dream team that's that's now going to bring <laughs> yeah, bring yeah. Ireland forward into the future. Well, what do you reckon, lads? It's well, I, I was reading the paper there today, and it's the back of the, the Independent today. An Irish solution to an Irish problem. No one knows what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what that, that, that's what that said. You know what I mean? It's just pure laziness. Like, like we have the internet in Ireland. You know what I mean? We, you're allowed going and see if there's. I, I wouldn't mind if Ireland went and took a punt on some continental coach who's tearing up trees with Benfica's under twenty ones, and well, you say, there, "Listen, there's six of years, mate." There was what? There was talk of Carlos Kiros. Yeah, he, yeah. He, I'm glad. Come here. He would have been. He would have been doing the same thing that Trap Tony did, and trying to you know draw. Well, uh, uh, I don't Iran think so. Like, yeah, but I mean, Iran did all right. Iran did all right. Well, they yeah, did okay. They did a lot better. Twenty first fucking century and yeah, how I know, but we, like, we culture players, technical ability. If you get Carlos Kiros and he takes with him some young upcoming uh, manager who looks like he, he you know he's got a future in the game and he's got some new ideas and you let him kind of you know get his feet under the table with with the Republic of Ireland then maybe that would have been an idea you know but to go with like Robbie Keane like if I had beaten Mick McCarthy or Robbie Keane sorry to the call and, and I've had his number and I said listen can I have a job he didn't like he didn't bet him or anything like that he just went yeah he used to play football you must be half <laughs> Well, the cheeky bollocks for asking that, but still gave him the gig. You know what I mean? Like, that's what Ireland are doing. That's what you're dealing with in Ireland. It's just fucking, it's back. You're right. It is backwards. It's like, can you imagine England or Germany? You know what I mean? Just dishing out the assistant manager job willy nilly because someone fucking has them on WhatsApp. You know, that's pretty much how it is. And it's an absolute, <laughs> the joke. I like Mick McCarthy. I'm going, you know we, I mean? we had Sam Allardyce, mate. We had yeah, Sam Allardyce. Remember, Sam Allardyce should have been England's manager at the World Cup. Oh, that alternative <laughs> universe would just be we brilliant. Need, no, um, 
no, it's just it's it's typical Ireland. It's just pure laziness. It's I don't know, you know. Well, I hope he doesn't. Kenny's like, not a bad team to come in. No, I know he's well, not. Well, but like you're gonna have lads from Kazakh playing on the wing and all that sort of stuff. They're not good enough. Yeah, but Irish football. Da- Danny, good. Danny, we're shite anyway. Do you know what I mean? And there's loads of like. Get Brian Kerr back. Brian Kerr was doing a half decent job. At least yeah, he's lads, big. We, 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 need a, we need someone who's going to go in and take a kind of top to bottom approach. You know, that's it needs what I'm to talking be, about. I, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind saying, look, you know, I wouldn't mind us struggling for for years instead of just barely trying to scrape a playoff with, with no care of of the structure beneath the, the you know, beneath the first team. Like they're so like I I played in the I played in the Mill Cup for Bows like under 14s and 15s against Lazio, Sunderland, loads of teams. And with, like Irish footballers are just as good at that age as other teams on the continent, right? You go back at 18 and it's a fucking it's a chasm in quality because of the coaching they get, the facilities they get, the fact they're in academies, all the rest of it. Like there's not that there's a lack of talent it's by the time that the you know Kenny's going to take the under 21s in, in my opinion players are almost formed you know you can't teach a, you know sometimes there's a misconception of how much work top level coaches do like technical ability and things like that it should be a given by under 21s you know you're not yeah 21's too late Pete isn't it you're right 21's too late isn't so, it? Like, to I, but it, hopefully he will go in and work with the rest of the youth but like the way we teach kids, everything has to change. And I do think there is a lot of good work doing that, being done at youth level as well. But, you know, they have to come up with a coherent plan. Make them Go and study other countries. There's nothing wrong with that. Study what Belgium did to get their generation through. Study what England... Look at England now with St. George's Park, Southgate coming through, all the rest. But go study other countries. But then you're right, Danny. It's just fucking laziness. John, John Delaney trying to get, you know, trying to make it take the, the focus off himself like the, the, it just needs a massive radical overhaul you know a focus on technical ability instead of just like oh he's six foot two at 14 he looks like a player you know what i mean so there's yeah it just there's, yeah it'll blow, boil your fucking blood to be honest with you but uh, apparently kenny has said that he is going to go uh and, and use the time while he's 21's coach to go away and study and look at how other teams and how other systems are doing it he said that he is going to be doing that he's only there for a year and a half and there's not many games actually with the 21 so he has plenty of time and that's what he's he says well, we, he's going to we, spend we shouldn't doing it. we shouldn't Sam, we shouldn't be employing someone who's our under 21 coach who has to go and study you know what i mean it should be that, that work <laughs> it's, should be it's, done it's not, it's not that he has to go and study i mean like loads of managers do it. i know like but Pep like you're I, I, yeah, I know that, but they didn't get the Liverpool job and then say, I'll go and learn a bit now. You know what I mean? We should be trying to attract someone that is the finished article, not someone that's, you know what I mean, who's got a false course, but like, I'm yeah, going to go and do my master's now. Should we though, Danny? Because, I mean, we're a small nation with a small budget and shy players. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah no, I know. Listen, look, I, look at what, um, like, look at rugby at the moment. Look at what that has done. See, that's, done that, see, that's with what's... the facilities, with, with with the coach and everything. Now, I would like, I would like, I'd like some kind of experienced technical director to come in from, a, you know, a, maybe a big academy or something in Europe, but to really try and pass on the 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 skills and stuff to Irish coaches. That's not being, you know, saying I don't want foreign coaches. It's just I'd like us to start always looking outside to solve our problems and start putting yeah. some faith in younger Irish coaches and bringing them up. Um, Do you know what, Peter? I couldn't agree more there, mate. I always think international football, I've said this with England, we're having all their problems. You can't, with international football, you can't sign players. You, you're at the mercy of who's coming through and the talent stream coming through. I actually think international football, it's about the coaching you almost need like a selector for your national team and, and, and it's all about the coaching and making sure the lads are, are comfortable with the ball from about 13, 14 to 21, getting them through the group, all playing the same way, all playing the same expansive. Doesn't really matter too much about the results, just trying to play a bit of football. Yeah, like you know, there is a certain element to that. Like you look at Belgium yeah. and all, supposedly they made yeah. all their teams play the same formation right the way up through yeah. and they Never make the move around years, the different formations yeah. so they all know how to slip in now I guarantee if you go to the Ireland I don't know now but if you go I bet you the 14s are playing a 4-2-3-1 the 15s are playing a 4-4-2 or whatever you know what I mean like you need some yeah. kind of coherence you need cohesion you need cohesion right the way through I, um, the Netherlands are doing it for years Ajax are doing it for years you know the youth teams all played the same formation all played the same way you have it, it does take you know I actually do admire the Kenny for saying that because he does need 
you know, he's got two years to go and learn, so use the time wisely. You know, go and use the yeah, time. But there's not, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, it's just, obviously, it's, you know, you lads struggling to get English players through has had a knock-on effect on us as well, because, you know, our, our like, we went back to, like, say, the class in 92 and all, that would have been, say, squad of 18 players. It would have been 15 English lads, probably quite local, two Irish lads and a Scottish lad. Now, you know, because English lads can, can barely get a game. Irish lads don't get over there. And it, it's the quality of the lads. It's the coaching the lads who that don't get over early are left with. That's one of the major problems. I, this is a crazy idea, but I always think in rugby, they have the four provinces. I'd love them to pick four provinces, right? Set up academies in each province and then enter them into League Two in England. Yeah, that'd never yeah. happen. But I mean, I know it never happened. But that, you know where I'm coming. I'd like to because if if you could set something up like that, I think, or even a kind of. Do you remember Lily Shaw? Do you remember Lily Shaw in England where they had? I know it doesn't really work with academies anymore, but some kind of centres of excellence or whatever it might be for for young footballers that that, that don't get straight over a fifteen or whatever. And and you you. Yeah, I, I think I think that one of the problems is the players when they go over there, like there's there's not many get over there, and and it's seen as being the be end be all and end all is that you get to England, and yeah. actually a lot of the academies and stuff like that aren't even looking to Ireland anymore because you know they, they kind of have this idea in their head that Irish players are they're hard working, they'll run, but maybe they're not the most skillfully good, good for know, night good, out. Yeah, you know they're good, you know they're <laughs> they're good lads, but they're not great footballers and. Maybe, like you say, Peter, they just need to be staying in Ireland, getting coached longer, and then going yeah. over. Because there's, there's, there's a couple of examples of players moving over to England, doing quite well, but when they've got the move, win their like, late teens, 20s. Do you know what I mean? Maybe that would be a better idea. But uh, anyway, Yeah, I, I think one of the problems is, as well, though, is that it, it's very demoralising for the lads who don't, don't get over, and they see the few lads go, because... It's easier to like because you know if you're just going to train with with bows or pats or whatever, even like DDSL clubs, you're going to Home Farm, Stella Maris, or Cherry Orchard, whatever it might be. You're going to train with them twice a week and then going back and hanging out with your mates. If you're going into a Man United Academy, Man United Academy three or four days a week and you're getting a tracksuit and all, you'd be a lot more focused than you are, you know, kind of with the amateur setup over here. So. It's. I. I think that's a. We need to start pulling in the the talent of fourteen or fifteen and really working in on them, whether it be centres of excellence or whatever it might be. Like, but um, yeah. I. I. It, I think we're in for a rough few years. Although we have to give credit. Like the Kenny thing is a good idea. And I, look, it, you know, the the truth is we don't have that many Irish coaches with loads of, of experience of of how things work in the continent and all. So if he's prepared to go and do that and he can pass that knowledge on, I think that's a good thing. Yeah, right. Well, we're all not very positive, but at least it's something. Uh, before we finish up and go to prick of the week, let's do uh, round two of the quiz. And I think the scores are everyone's got one except for you, Peter, so far. Yeah, that'll uh, change. That'll change. All right, fair enough. Uh, right then, as usual, I'll say the teams you come in, and if you can guess the player by the teams that he's played for, point for you. Uh, player number four then uh, began his career at Blackburn Rovers. No, okay. Dan, Danny. Colin Henry. No, it isn't. No. Uh, then he went to uh, Swindon Town on loan twice uh, before going to Sunderland on loan. To who? Sunderland. Sunderland. Yeah. Uh, Peter. No, it's not Nicky Barr. Or Nick, Nick Summerby. No. No, no. no. So he was at Blackburn, did two loan stints at Swindon, then went to Sunderland on loan, and then he went to Newcastle on a permanent move. Danny. Danny. Oh, Shea Given. It is Shea Given. Very good. Come on. Uh, then went to City, went to Villa, went to Borough, and finished up at Stoke. Very good. All right, then. Uh, two for Danny. Uh, let's see where we go with this one. Began his career at Santos. Danny. Hans. Danny. Neymar. Neymar. No. Colum. Colum. Rubinho. It was Rubinho. Very ah. good, lads. Lads. <laughs> what is going on today? What is going on? Jeez, I'm going to have to look up loads more, right? I'm just going to put this, uh, because it's I've only got one left and we'll be here forever otherwise trying to find them. It's going to head-to-head between the two lads who have two points. So, Colm and Danny, head-to-head between you two for the win. Began his career at Dundee. Danny. Danny. 
no, go on. Uh, then he went to Blackburn Rovers. You closet fucking Blackburn fan or something, Sam? <laughs> Just Danny. Danny. Callum Davidson. No. Then he went to Manchester City. Danny. Uh, Danny. Dan- Paul, Paul Dickoff. No. Then he went back. It's a good guess. Then he went back to Blackburn. Oh, I know. I know who it is. Shut up, lads. <laughs> Will you? <laughs> um, black, back to Blackburn. Oh, where did he go? Sorry, he went from Blackburn to City UCAP. and back to back oh, City. to Blackburn. City. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, from there, he went to Rangers. Oh, jeez, I'm fucking stumped altogether. Danny. Danny. Colin Hendry. It is Colin Hendry. You mentioned him already. She. You said him already. All right, Johnny. It's all yours, Colin. We were stuck on that one. I think. Uh, I think Colin. I think Colin's off air. I think he would have got that. I think. Are you there, Colin? No, I was just staring into the wall. All right. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Uh, almost at the end of the show. Just time for prick of the week, Peter. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going to actually go, we, we praised his football teams, but I'm going to go with Pep Guardiola, who did a speech in, at Liverpool University this week about the importance of democracy while he fills his bank account with millions and millions from, <laughs> from the Qataris. He was one of the faces of the World Cup campaign, even talking potentially managing them, and he takes millions and millions from the Abu Dhabis. Two countries that couldn't give a flying fuck about democracy. So, fuck you, Pep, you prick. Uh, all right, that's it. Uh, I think that's fair enough. Uh, all right, now we'll keep going. Uh, Colin, who have you got? Um, I'm going to go for David Luiz, who played like a broken PlayStation controller trying to say, trying to uh, stop Son for the third goal. Yeah. Uh, a lovable prick moment, though, because it was very funny. I don't know where he was going. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, what about the ke- jumping out the way of Kane's shot? That must have yeah, been- that was unacceptable. I hate that. I, 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 I don't know, because it, it was so far out. I'd say he reckoned that the keeper had it, no? Yeah. I, 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 don't move out the way. I think that maybe he didn't want to get a deflection on it, if I'm perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, and what about you, prick of the week? Uh, it's got to be your boy Madison for Leicester. Uh, just, just a horrible, 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 blatant dive in the box. I mean, he's, you know, he, he was good enough to admit it on social media, but he shouldn't be freaking diving. It's a bloody horrible thing to see that. He's having a good season as well. He doesn't need to be doing stuff like that. So, yeah, what a prick. What a prick. Uh, Danny? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jordan Henderson. Um, just, he's really up against it to keep his, his place uh, in the Liverpool side and to keep the captain's armband. I'd say Klopp is dying to give it to to my man Van Dyke, but uh, yeah, I just thought you could see it. You could see it coming, and you know Liverpool are going to play some bigger, bigger games and be in more precarious positions than that. So, as a captain of a big club, you need to keep your head. And he didn't. He's going to miss the Merseyside derby there as a result of it. So, uh, Jordan, you're an absolute brick. Yeah, what a brick. Uh, that's it. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back again next week. Just time to say thank you to Peter. Cheers, lads. Take it easy. Thanks, Colin. Yeah. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, lads. Enjoy that. And thanks, Ant. Thanks for the answer, Twitter. And Cheers. goodbye for me. We'll see you next time.